Good morning, church. Well, the fact that I actually put the player there was really because I think there should be some redemption for him over the last season. But until now, there doesn't seem to be redemption. But never mind. You'll get it, okay? But anyway, um, when I first received Christ in 2009, right, I never really thought that one day I'll be standing on the pulpit here to share the word of God with everyone here. It's like a bit daunting. And at the same time, it's a very humbling experience. Also, it's a very good learning experience for me as well. So when Pastor Fuchs actually came and asked me to share about this topic, and he gave me this date, I was like, okay, I just take it. I think it was a good challenge for me. I think it was a very good growing opportunity for me. So I just took it. But as the days comes nearer, then I was like, hey, I am actually going to share on the 21st of August. So I was like looking at it. I was like feeling like, wow, what a timing. Because right, whatever I'm going to share with you today is something very coincides with the 40 days fast and pray. It's something that is very close to my heart. And it's also something very in line with also the 40 days fast and pray that we are going through right now, you see. So it's, it was like, I felt like, wow, is it like a coincidence? But we all know that you knowing God, there's no such thing as coincidence, right? All things is in its timing, right? So a little bit more about myself. My name is Zalor. I'm one of the cell leader here. I'm also part of the prayer team here. Of course, I pastor first six. Once in a while, I'll come out and become the service director here. So I'm a husband of one. I'm also a father of one. My wife is over there. Okay. She's also part of the broadcast team. And my girl is over here. Being taken care by Auntie Eileen. So you can see this, you see, because my wife today is not so well. And thanks for everyone here. I know it's really thanks to this whole village here that can take care of my girl even when I'm here and my wife is over there. So I, I'm really, really grateful for everyone here. It's, it's really nice to have all of you here. But even as I actually introduce myself, I tell you guys my name is Zalor. Some of you may be thinking, how am I supposed to spell uh, to pronounce this name? Zalor, Zalor, Zalor. It's actually spelled as C-H-Z-E-L-O-R. <laughs> so even after I spell the name right, also you, you don't really know how to, how to pronounce it, right? Yeah, that, uh, that's the reason for it. It's because of my father. Uh. But because of this, uh, I have a lot of nicknames. When I was young, people started calling me Talor. When the game StarCraft came about, right, people called me Zilot. When I started learning fencing, people called me Zoro. So it's really a case, right? The more you have, more will be given to you. So it's also something which we are going to look at the scripture today. The more you have, the more will be given to you. But Coming back, today, the title of my sharing will be Good Soy. Don't worry, I'm not going to teach you about agriculture. I'm not going to teach you anything about plants because I don't have green hands. Any green things comes to my hand, I eat it. Okay, I'm not going to teach you anything about plants, okay? But what I'm going to share with you today is something very in line with the parables of the sowers. Or some of you may know it as the parables of the, seed, of the soy. You can find these parables across the three Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You cannot find it in John because John got no parables. But for today's context, what I'm going to do is that I'm going to take it from the passage of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 1 to 23. Just a moment. Uh. All right. Matthew, chapter 13. Uh. But uh, for the reason of time, right, what I'm going to do is, is that I'm going to read the scripture for everyone. But you just follow through, yeah? Even as I read it, you just follow through, okay? So, one, two, three. Matthew 13, verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into the boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered to, and said to them, Because he has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them he has not been given. 
But whoever has to him, more will be given and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of these people have grown down, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Therefore, Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they stumbles. Now he who receives it among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some, a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Thank you, Father. Thank you for reading of your word. Thank you, Father, for this day, Lord Jesus. I just want to ask, Lord Jesus, even as you use me to share the word today, Lord, I ask that, Lord, you will help me, Lord, to share the word as it is, to share the word as you want it to be, Lord. Even for all my brothers and sisters who is here today, Lord Jesus, I pray that, Lord Jesus, you open up our hearts, you open up our mind, Lord, and you will give us the spirit of understanding, even as you use me to share your word today, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, as we read through, right, this is a parable, and also a parable that Jesus explained. There are only two parables where Jesus explicitly tells us the meaning of the whole parables. The, the other parables that Jesus explicitly told us the meaning was what Atelier had shared last week with regards to the parables of wits and tasks. So for these particular parables, parables of the soil, when Jesus actually spoke about it, so what we have to do is very simple. We don't have to guess the meaning. We don't have to ask what Jesus really was trying to say. Who was it? Who was he trying to uh, say to? What was the context of it? Because Jesus has already given us the context. He already told us the meaning. So the only thing that we need to do throughout when we read this whole scripture, the question is, how do we respond to it? Or how do we apply when we look through it? Because Jesus has already told us about it. You, know, you don't have to really do extra research like why Jesus actually um, tell us this, etc. Because he did tell you the meaning and you need to respond to it. You need, need to see how you respond to it. But before we go through the application, I know some of us here, when we read through this scripture, there's one burning question. Because every time when I read through this scripture, there will be this burning question to me. Why did Jesus really spoke in parable? Why did he speak in parable? Why can't he actually like just tell us directly, tell the multitudes, this is the, the thing I'm trying to say to you. This is the thing. You hear it, you want to respond, you respond. Lah. You don't want to respond, never mind. Lah. You know, just blah. But he spoke in parables. Why did he actually speak? Why did he spoke it? So I have a confession to make. Like every, Even though I read this few times, when this is actually really the first time, I tried to find out why Jesus actually spoke in parables, although I have been asking this question every time I read about it. The reason why I, I have to find out is because I'm in share, I need to share with you guys. Ma. So I need to find out the, the reason why, we actually, why Jesus actually spoke in parables. So here's the thing. For us to understand why Jesus spoke in parables, we have to look at two chapters. Matthew 12 and Isaiah 6. Matthew 12. The chapter before Matthew 13, where I just read, Jesus started his ministry in Galilee. He started performing signs, miracles, and wonders. He started to heal people. He started to cast off demons from people. But even as he was performing all these signs, miracles, and wonders, uh, he was having opposition. He was having opposition from the Pharisees, from the scribes. So he 
not just having opposition. It's not just a normal opposition. He was being accused. He was being framed. He was being even said that, you know, whatever signs, miracles, and wonders he was performing was of the devil and not of God. So he was having all this opposition, all this framing, all this accusation comes to him. So even when it comes to Matthew 13, when he spoke to the multitudes with regards to the parables, we can say that there were people in the whole multitudes who were there not to hear Jesus. They were there to find fault with Jesus. They were there to find that, whatever, to see what Jesus is actually sharing. So when they hear it, they will try to find some lobang to chuchok him. They are not really there to learn. They are not really there to understand what Jesus was teaching or how can it actually help them. But they were really there to find ways or find thoughts with Jesus on what he's going to see, say, what he's going to share. So now, come to Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6 is what Jesus quotes. Hearing you will not hear. Seeing you will not see. Lest you hear and understand and you'll be saved. This passage actually came from Isaiah. Jesus actually quoted Isaiah 6. But what happened in Isaiah 6? Isaiah is a prophet. Huh? So he's a prophet during the older times, way before Jesus was born. So God asked Isaiah to speak to the people of Judah. God asked Isaiah to tell the people of Judah, repent, turn away from your way, turn away from your current ways right now, that I will save you. But what, how did the people actually respond? They did not heed what Isaiah said. When Isaiah prophesied towards all these people, they just make fun of him. They look at it like, ha 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 ha, this madman, only will hear him. So because they didn't hear, right, at the end, only 10% survived. Only 10% of those people actually survived. All the other 90% were killed, wiped out. When God has actually given you the morning. So, how did it actually relate to why did Jesus speak in parables? Now, for you to understand better, go back home and read these two chapters where, where I actually just said. But when you ask me this question to really, really tell you the answer, I would say, very, very honest, I actually don't know the answer. Why Jesus actually really spoke in parables? I really don't know. Because there are really a lot of answers, a lot of theories, a lot of scholars, and a lot of theologians actually have come up with the answer for it. So there are really, really multitudes of answers. There are really, really a lot of answers. But I want to say to you this. Even as I read through the scriptures, even as I read through Matthew 12, Matthew 13, and also Isaiah 6, there's this thing that comes to my mind. There's this thing shows when Isaiah says to the people, when Isaiah spoke to the people, it draws out two responses. Two responses. You either hear it or you don't hear it. You hear it, there'll be a salvation. There'll be life. You don't hear it, there'll be destruction. As you move to Matthew 13, there are four responses. Four responses after you hear what Jesus has said. Four responses. But of all these four responses, there are only one that leads to fruitfulness. So which is it that the people who heard it wants to respond to? So even as we move a little further, so when this multitude actually heard the whole parables, what do they actually really understand? Seems like we are, Jesus when, when spoke to parable, uh, in parables, they may not really understand. But I tell you this, they understand something. They understand something. Look back into Matthew 13, verse 8. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now, if you have been doing agriculture, if you have been planting crops, you'll know something like this. You will have an expected yield. Means that, for example, you have one acre of land, when you plant the crops, you have an expected yield perhaps of maybe one tons of crops when you want to harvest. Okay, so it may vary depending on the condition. It may vary depending on the weathers. It may be lower. It may be more. But overall, you, most of the time, you'll not run far from this particular one time. But in very, very good times, your harvest 
may actually goes beyond three folds, four folds, or sometimes when it's very, very, very good, you feel like super, super good, very miraculously good. It can maybe go up to 10 folds. There's almost no way you can go up to 100, 60, or 30. There's no way. It's way beyond logic. It's, there's no way. But why Jesus actually spoke like this? It's, it's not really to actually amplify the whole thing. It's not exaggerate the whole parables for people to understand. But there was, there's a reference. The reference of these parables comes in Genesis 26. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. So in Genesis 26, it says this, God blessed Isaac with hundredfold. So to say this is, only God can cause an increase of hundredfold for your harvest. The only way for you to get this hundredfold is by God blessing you. And that's how the people, how the multitude actually relay to the parables that Jesus has actually spoken. That's how the multitude actually understands. So when they hear it, they'll say like, oh, okay. So when Jesus actually spoke about these parables, he's referring to God blessing you. Only by God blessing you, then you'll get a hundredfold. There's no way in all my natural way, in, there's no way in all my natural effort that I will get this hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. Only by God blessing you that you'll get this hundredfold. But that's also not what Jesus really meant. Because we know, we know this. When Jesus spoke about these parables, and the disciple asked him, why do you speak in parables? Then Jesus actually said to them, the real meaning of this is, Matthew 23, he who receives the seed on the good grounds is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He's referring to the word of God. He's referring to an entirely different thing compared to the crops that you're harvesting. He's referring to your spiritual, your spirituality. But let's come back to this. When he spoke about these parables, when he explained about these parables, he is very explicit in it. Meaning that at the end of the day, you do not need to literally try to understand or do any, do any extra study about it. He already tells you what is the representation of everything. Sower is God. The seed is the word of God. And the soil is the heart of the receiver. Two constant, the sower. The sower is God. God is good, right? So if God is good, there's no way when he sow, he will want a bad result. There's no way when he sow, he'll sow anything else. And the second thing, the second constant, the seed is the word of God. Word of God is always good, right? So the seeds that is being sowed, the word that is being sowed, is also good. So if two of it is good, what's the thing that, best, uh, that determines whether we bear fruit or not? That's our soil. The soil represents the heart of the receiver. That is the only variables in this whole par uh, parables. That's, only, that's the only, only variables. And this is the only thing that determines whether we are fruitful or we are not. In the whole passage, in the whole parables, there's only one soil that determines whether that tells you it's being fruitful that there's only one soil that produces fruit. So church, even as we go into the application, even as you hear what I'm sharing right now, it's my personal prayer that every one of us here, every one of us here, even as we hear it, we will apply it. We will see that we will be fruitful. Because at the end of the day, what we want is also always to produce fruit. We do not want, you know, you just come here to hear about this message or to read the word of God, at the end, that comes for nothing. It's just a waste of time. It's just a waste of your time. You can do many other things other than coming to here or other than you know, spending your time reading it if it's not fruitful. But what is the fruit that we produce when we receive from the word of, word of God? I come to you and say this. In Galatians 5, 22-23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there's no law. Even as you look through the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, 
peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You look at it, you'll say, hey, actually, uh, all these things, right? If I want to find, I want to get myself to be better, if I wanted to increase all this in myself, I don't really need the word of God. I don't really need God. Now, let me just tell you in this, uh, because I used to be a Buddhist. Buddhists, they are famous for being kind. Anytime there's a disaster, anytime that, that you need something to be done, the Buddhists will be the first to come. The Buddhists will be the first to mobilize. It shows a grand scheme of kindness and whatever they teach you is all about kindness, self-sacrificial. Does it really make a person better in terms of kindness? I would say yes. Even when you go through New Age, it talks about faithfulness, it talks about self-control. Does it really help? I believe yes, because I know my friends. I know some of uh, the, the people that I know. It really helps them. It really makes them a better person. No doubt. No doubt about it. But I'll come to you and say this. Even when you use all these sources here, even you use all these sources, uh, there's none of God. Although you can be a better person, you can increase in whatever that's written here in the Bible, in the, in the Word. But I tell you this, the increase in God is hundredfold. The increase here, at most I'll give you three to four. Or maybe in good times, maybe you are very, very good with it. Maybe you are very, very diligent in following it. Ten times. But only with God. Because God is infinite. Ma. The Buddhism, the self-help book that you are reading, and even the New Age, all are written by men. All are written in such a way that it helps you. But hey, they are finite. That's as much as they can bring you. Only God can give you this hundredfold, sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. There's no way, no other way can you increase in it. So church, even as we look through it, even as we go into it, all of us wants to be better. All of us, if given a choice, if given a chance, we will always want the best. None of us want the second best. If given a choice, we will always want the best. So we, why don't we choose the best? The word of God. But even as I, I come in, I come in to my points. Three points. Read, understand, apply. I just want to tell you this. For this whole passage again, there's no new revelation. You don't need to look through any new, uh, for any new revelation, new insight. There's nothing, nothing about it. It's very direct. It's very direct. You don't even have to really study the meaning about it. It's really, really very direct. The only thing you need to know is how to apply it. How do you respond to it? There's only three things for you to do. Read the word. Understand the word and apply the word. Reading the word. Now, I was one of those people, right, who when John Mulinde came to Malaysia, his first conference, I was one of them who, who were there. So in this particular conference, uh, very weird one. Out of nowhere, in what I think it's a final session, right? He suddenly talked about this. He asked all of us. To take out a physical Bible. During those times, uh, I think the electronic Bible wasn't so famous yet. It wasn't so acceptable yet. So every one of us, most of us, had our physical Bible with us. So he asked all of us to put our fingers between Matthew 1 and Matthew 10. So if you have your physical Bible, you try to do it, and you realize it's actually quite thin. It's actually quite thin. Then he told us this, you know, to finish reading from Matthew 1 to Matthew 10, need 45 minutes. So I was like, okay. But he came out with another, another thing that actually hits me. He started telling, telling all of us, if you can spend two hours, three hours, four hours or five hours a day reading all the news in the world, you got time to finish the, the 10 chapters a day. I, was like, I got shocked for a moment. Because for me, it was, I'm a news junkie. I read all the news available. I read about economy, I read about politics, I read about sports, I read about everything. Like, everything that I can read, I read. Because I, I, love, to, I love to learn, I lo love to learn about general knowledge, etc. So I, I read. But it struck me because I really spent a lot of time reading news. So it became apparent to me that, okay, he said like this, I definitely can do it. But let me paraphrase what he actually really means to all of us here. Now, if you have time to go through your Facebook, 
if you have time to go through your Instagram, if you have time to go through your talk every day, you definitely have time to actually read the word 10 chapters a day. If you have time to watch an art, an episode of a South Korean drama, which normally is one hour to one hour, 10 minutes, you definitely have time to read 10 chapters a day. And if you have time to watch football, okay, I'm a Liverpool fan. And Ross already said I'm a Liverpool fan already. So everyone knows I'm a Liverpool fan. Liverpool fan is, is very weird one. We watch three matches in a week. The first match, we will watch Liverpool match. Confirm one, because we are Liverpool fan. Ma. Confirm we will watch Liverpool match. Second match, we will watch Manchester City match. Just to see whether they fumble, but they never did. And then the third match, we will tune in to watch Manchester United match. Just to take delight in their misery. <laughs> so, we wasted four and a half hours watching football. Okay, okay. Actually, it's not really wasted. It's really, really very fun, okay? <laughs> it's really very fun. <laughs> but it's not just four and a half hours. Huh? If you count in the half time, you count in the injury time, it's actually almost five hours. Five hours, I tell you, you finish off one week quarter of 10 chapters a day. It means 17 chapters. Huh? You can finish it off already. Five hours, you know. So, it's, it's really, if, let's say you can, you can watch your football, right? For five hours, huh? you definitely can finish these 10 chapters a day. That's what John Mundi really was telling us. It's really about our priority. It's really about what we want. But ultimately speaking, as we look at it, uh, if you are following the 40 days fast and pray, okay, you'll notice this. They are actually asking us to read 10 chapters a day, which is why when, when starting a time, I say, it's very aligned. What I'm sharing now is very aligned with our 40 days fast and pray. Because our 40 days fast and pray is asking us to read 10 chapters a day. So the other day on Monday, uh, I had it with myself. I tried it. We read from Psalm 6 to Psalms 15. We finished it in less than 30 minutes. Of course, it's Psalms. La. It's Psalms is very short. It's very fast for us to finish. So we finish it in less than 30 minutes. But ultimately, if let's say you have Psalms 119, you're reading Psalms 119 in part of your 10 chapters, perhaps you may take actually one hour. You'll not take more than one hour. I'm very sure of that. You'll take one hour like that. Most of the time, on average, it's 45 minutes for, for 10 chapters. It's not really that hard. I mean, because I did it before. Lah. So, even as there was, there was a particular time lah, I was reading really, really a big chunk of, of the chapters. I was really reading, reading a lot of it. So, I, I, I'm not sure how did this happen, but as I was reading it, lah, I was reading it as if it's just a storybook. I don't study it. It means when I say reading it, lah, you read it as if it's a storybook. You don't have to really understand what you're reading. You don't have to understand who is the character inside. You don't have to understand really what are they trying to say. You just read it. Just read it. Uh. As long as you know English, you, you are not Buddha Guru, you can read. Uh, okay? So you, you, you read it. So this was what happened to me when I was reading through it. Uh. I felt there was a prompting. And as I was reading the Gospels, uh, the four Gospels, one of the four Gospels, I really cannot remember which Gospels was that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I really cannot remember which one, which one was it. But as I was reading it, I felt like I was a Pharisee. I can relate to the Pharisees. I can relate my behavior to the Pharisees. I was like, I was reading it, I was like, how on earth did I suddenly feel like I'm like a Pharisee? Of course, when that was revealed to me when I was reading it, it depends on me whether I want to change or not. Lah. That one is an entirely different case. But there was a revelation. There was an x-ray being done upon my life. So what I'm trying to say is that, right, even as you read the word, even as you read this word, which is the seed of God, which God has actually planted you as a seed, you will feel that, you will see that there is revelation coming to you. There is, God is doing an x-ray into each and every single one of us, even as we read the Bible. And I know some of us here, when we have troubles, when we read it, you get inspiration, you get revelation from God on how to solve your problem, on how to go through it, and you get encouragement from it. So church, we are Christians. We are known to be in Christ. It's very, very important for us to take in the seeds. And without taking in the seeds, there's no way you can get fruits. There's no way. There's no way you can get any fruits if you don't take in the seeds. We need to take in the words. Even as we take in the words, I know and I believe each and every single one of us 
there will be a change. There will be a revelation that you have never seen before. But ultimately, just read it first. Even if you don't understand what you're reading, just read it first. Even if you don't under really understand why the authors actually wrote such a thing, read it first. Read it. You'll see the difference. In the long run, you will see the difference. After you read it, you need to understand it. You need to go deeper. The only reason why we get the explanation from Jesus was because the disciples decided to go deeper. The only reason why we get what Jesus was trying to say in the parables, the real meaning, is because the disciples asked Jesus, why did you speak in parables? Because they, they are hunger. They are hungry. They decided to know more. They decided to know why Jesus actually do so. In the same way, even as we read through the book, at a particular time, you need to study it. You need to go deeper. Just to make sure, when you, the time when you read is memang for you to read. But there's also a time for you to study. When you read it at the time, you do not need to look at all the footnotes. You do not need to look at all the commentaries. But once you do a study, it's an entirely different time where you dedicate it to study. So I'm a cell leader. And week in, week out, I'll need to lead a cell and I'll need to do something with regards to the word and teach the word to myself. It's part of my way. It's part of my responsibility as well. So in 2020, when we first went into lockdown, we were, the, we were still in the main church. We were still in the main church. Here doesn't exist yet. SIVKL at Sungai Bulo has not, I mean, it has formed. I mean, the, the people is already there, but there's no physical location, etc. But we are all zooming in from cells, all that. So what happened was we were doing the Book of Ezra. The main church was doing the Book of Ezra. And ourselves, we decided to actually also look into the Book of Ezra together. So there's this particular chapter. It's Ezra chapter 2. I remember I need to actually share with everyone right in the cell, right, with regards to Ezra chapter 2. Now, if you actually look into Ezra chapter 2, right, the only thing you will see is names that's more difficult to pronounce than mine. And the only thing you can see is names, numbers, names, and numbers. There is nothing else. No revelation at all. And it's like, the only thing you see is like names, numbers. So when you read it, uh, the only thing that you can actually, actually tell everyone is this. Oh, God is a very detailed God, law. God is, is very fine, law. He wants to remember every one of you, law. That's why he put everyone's name inside. That's why he puts all the numbers inside. So because he's very detailed, ma, so you need to be like, be like God, law, very detailed. That's the only thing you can say, you know. If let's say you just take it on uh, face value, it's like, that's the only thing you see. I was like, oh my God, man. How am I supposed to actually lead the cell tonight? That's almost impossible, you know, because that's, that's like, if you do that, uh, it's like almost like five minutes gone already. Everything gone already. You can balik, balik rumah. And I don't think so anyone will be fat that day. So that was one of the times where I actually like trying very, very hard to look into the scripture, trying very, very hard to look into every source. What was Ezra 2 actually trying to say? It was one of the few moments because I've been not just leading a cell. Uh, I've been the call leaders for, for some time. And as a call, also, we actually try to do words. Since 2012, I've been doing, doing this. So it has sort of like become a skill, sort of like became a routine for me. So when I was looking at it, I was like, wow, why so difficult one? But God's grace, really God's grace. Uh, I remember the time, one hour before the cell, finally, I actually got something to share. And whatever I got to share, right, it was really a revelation for me. So it was like this. If you read through, right, the whole Ezra 2, it's all numbers, it's all names, right? Then you realize this. All these people that was being named, they are all slaves. Their ancestors were carried into Babylon naked. Naked, ah. Tada baju, tada, tada, tada seluar, tada kasut semua tu. Really, really naked, no. And when Ezra 2, when they put all the names, all the numbers, and what they brought back, they came back as a filthy rich slaves and they are being multiplied so what is it tells me god did not just preserve them god did not just preserve the people of israel when they were in babylon god multiplies them god enriched them so when they came back they are not who they were when they were being carried out so it shows what's god's mercy it shows what's god's mercy um uh, it shows what's god's goodness and it shows his kindness and it shows his promise and his covenant it became an entirely different revelation to me. And it also gave me an entirely new perspective of the whole Bible. But what's more important is this. 
that was only, that, there's also one of the very few sessions where my cell members actually came back to me and said, Zalor, thanks for sharing. I'm really being blessed by it. It really, really makes a difference for me. I really, really see new things. I really see it in a very, very different perspective. It really blessed me. Two years later, until now, uh, never before already. So only at that particular time, until now, never before already. So, so, so it, it does show today. But what I'm trying to say to you is this. Even as you understand the Bible, even as you study it, even as you see who God is, you start to internalize who God really is. Why is his characteristic? Why is he good? Why is he kind? Why is he generous? You see the character of God. You will internalize it. And you do not know who you're blessed. That's when I see an overflow. An overflow from the word that you receive. An overflow from the seeds that you receive. That's the fruits that I see that you know, we, we produce. Even as we try to understand what God is, who God is, we study it. And that's how the disciple helped us by asking Jesus, why did you speak in parables? It's asking us to go deeper. It's asking us to go even hungrier for the word of God. It's telling us we need to take these extra steps. It's not just so enough just to read. Okay? It's not just so enough to you know, spend a 45 minutes straight 10 chapters. We need to study as well. As I say, you know, reading, studying, it's two different timing. Okay? It's two different dedication. But it's doable. It's doable. And read. You must. And the last thing after you read everything is no point for us to read it, to understand it, to study it. We don't apply. But I come to you and say this. Even when I was talking about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruits that each and every single one of us are producing, the fruits that we ask that we see will come to fruitation. The fruits that we see are love, peace, joy, self-control, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. I want to tell you this. Initially, when you read it, you know what means good. You know, majority of the time, majority of the time, you know how to be a human. You know how to act in a good manner. Because we are programmed by, the, by everything around us. We are programmed by church. Like you know, we are programmed by church. We already know how to act. Okay? We are forced to act in such a way. In some sense, we are forced to act in such a way because there's law. There's law in the country to tell us, you know, we need to do a certain thing. Although we do not want to. But if you read the self-help book, it's also the same. All of us are in such a mechanical way. We need to purposely do it. We need to consciously do it. So if you want to practice good, you need to know, you need to do good. Okay, you need to practice how to do good. It's the same way when you read the Bible, it's still the same. But I come to you and say this. Even as you read the word, even as you study the word, it will come to a place where it becomes a lifestyle for you. It will come to a place where you do not need to consciously behave in a proper manner or act in a proper manner when you need to. It will become a lifestyle for you. It will be very automatic for you to be generous. It will be very automatic for you to be kind. Even as you read the Bible. So when we talk about this application, as you read, as you study, and as daily grinding, you live up to it, you will see that you're transformed to be more like Jesus. And you see you being transformed to be more like Jesus. Whatever fruits of the spirits will just leave out from you. Whatever fruits of the spirits that you have looked through will just come automatically into you. But this will not happen if you try to find other sources. Any other sources. Because God is infinite. You draw the strength, you draw the fruits, you draw the nutrient from God, which is totally different. Which compared to a man where you have a limit. If you draw a strength from any other way, there is a limit. Only when you draw a strength, only when you draw the source, the source from God, there will be infinite. You will be able to get to where God wants you to be. Only then you will see the fruits comes into play. Now, this is my final slide. So, you... If you look at it, you see a lot of dead leaves. And then you see this big tree here. 
Okay. So I, I got it from the internet, but this also happened now. Uh, when I was walking to the park, I was walking to a park, uh, I brought my daughter to a park. Then we come through this area. This area, right, there were a lot of dead leaves. There were a few branch, uh, few trees there. There were a lot of dead leaves. But in the middle of this area, right, they actually have a signboard there. The signboard was written this way. You see a lot of dead leaves here. It may look ugly to you. But we purposely leave all these dead leaves here. These dead leaves, when they decompose, you will become a nutrient to the ground. And you'll be a source of growth for the tree. So I was like, wow. Because even as you take in the word, even as you consume it, you take in the seeds. You understand the word, you study the word. You will see part of you being dead. You will see the part that's not of Jesus. The part where it's hindering you from coming into Jesus falls down and dies. And all these dead parts of you, all these dead parts of you, which is stopping you right now, you will see it becoming the fertilizer of your soil, of your heart. That's why the more you have, more will be given to you. And you continue to see through it like, wow, the more you consume, the more of yourself is being dead. The more of you that's not in Jesus, you'll die. So even for most of us here, you'll look at it like, wow, wow, it's such an amazing thing. It's like, the more I consume of Jesus, the more he'll reveal to us. And the more he reveal to us, the more we know him. And the more we know him, the more we'll be more like him. Some of you here may be asking this question like, or maybe actually making this statement, not question. You may be making this statement, saying that, Zalor, I know it's good. I know it's good to consume the word of God. I know it's good to take in the seed. I know it's good. But my heart or my soil is not fertile. I want to say this to you. Don't be discouraged. There's this particular apostle by the name of Apostle Paul. He says this, Lord, even when everyone abandoned you, I will not abandon you. A few days later, he denied Jesus three times. What is it? The seed that fell on the wayside. He denied Jesus when persecution happened. But yet, the same apostle, the same apostle, he came when the Holy Spirit fell. 3,000 was saved. He preached. 3,000 was saved. What it means? It means that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, can terraform your heart as well. It means that it's not the end, even if you feel or you, you think that your heart is not fertile. I say to you, just take in the word. You never know what will happen. Take in the word. If you feel like your, your heart is like the wayward ground, or if you feel like your heart is full of taunts and hassles, take in the word. Continue to take in the word. And even as you feel that, you know, you, when you read the word, Three sentences out. Don't talk about 10 chapters out. Three sentences down it. You feel like you're sleepy. You feel like you need to sleep. I want to believe this. That you just experience what it means by peace that surpasses all understanding. I want to believe this. God is actually doing something in you. Something in us. Even as you read it. Even no matter how small. How little things that comes alive. How little things that was choked by the thoughts and hassles. I want to believe this, that God is doing something and something in you dies together. Something in you that's not of Jesus. Something in you that is not benefiting you. Something in you that's stopping you from, from being the perfect being that Jesus created in you. Something in you that's stopping you from becoming more like Jesus. I want to believe this, that all of us here, we are, we are men to thrive in Jesus. All of us here are men to be victorious in Jesus. And all of this, we need to read the word of God. We need, we need his word. We need, to under, we need to read. There's no way we can go through it without the word of God. That's why we go through the whole 40 days fast and pray. That's why we need to, we, they ask us to read 10 chapters. If you can't read 10 chapters, never mind. Three chapters. Three chapters a day. But we need to consume it. 
we need to consume it. Thank you, Father. Um. You know, as we come into this time, I felt there was two groups of us, two groups of us here today. The first group, you want to respond to it. You want to respond to the sharing today. You want to respond to Jesus and you want to consume even more of Him. You want to consume more of His seeds. You want to get in even more of it because you desire. You desire the fruits. You desire to be better. You know you are not who you are right now. You know in Christ, you have been like maybe slumbering or you may be you know, cruising through by reading the words, by going through deep in, into the words and letting the seeds take, take roots in you. You want to go even deeper. You want to read even more. Let me just pray for you even right now. Father, for all my brothers and sisters here today who desires more of you, who desires to have more of you right now, that Lord, they'll have even more of you, that they, you'll reveal yourself even more to them, that they'll be able to be more like you and they'll come into fruition in you, Lord. I pray for this grace, for this overcoming grace, overwhelming grace to be upon all my brothers and sisters here today, that they'll be able to do what you want them to do. You'll be able to read your word. They'll be able to consume your word. They'll be able to consume your seeds. That you'll make their hearts a fertile ground. You'll make their, each and every single one of us, our hearts to be fertile ground, to continue to consume Jesus, to continue to consume his words. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And for the second group, even as you hear this sharing, you say to yourself, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus that enables all these people here to have all these fruits? Fruits. Joy, peace, kindness, goodness, self-control. You desire of it. You desire to have more of it. But you do not know how. But you hear this and you see that the source is Jesus. And if you want to know this Jesus, you want to receive him into your heart. Come pray this prayer with me. Church, let's pray this prayer together with me. Father, I repent of my sin. I ask you to come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior this day. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If it's your first time praying this prayer, whether is it your physical or is it online, if you're in physical, look for one of us here later. The people with the text, the red text, or you can look for us, anyone on the stage here. And even Andros here. You can look for any one of us. We want to know you better. We want to help you. We want to get you rooted. For those who is online, you can look for those with CT. And if they are short-handed, I think PT also can. PT will come and pray together with you. And you will. So, but before, before we end, church, let's worship with the Lord together one more time. Just lift up our hands. Let's just declare how much we love the Lord. And as you declare this, I'm, I really want to just declare this word that the Lord says the same back to you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just lift up a voice. Say, Lord, you're more. Lord, you're more than anything. You're more than Anything. Lord, 